Go out, talk to people in the community, find out what they think could really help that community. What are the issues? You might think you know what the issues are, but what do the people on the street think the issues really are in your community? What do businesses think the issues are? And the strengths, frankly. And then figure out how you can be a meaningful part of the solution. Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify the voices of the inspiring business leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast to help you learn how to build your legacy at the intersection of people, planet, purpose, and profit. Today, Nathan had the pleasure of sitting down with Kashi Sagal, the founder and CEO of Ritaza. Kashi has become a seasoned entrepreneur building businesses and nonprofits in education, sustainability, food systems, ethics, technology, entertainment, homelessness, and more. She also serves as managing partner and co-founder of Forethica, an ethics consulting company helping the world be more actively ethical. Nathan and Kashi talk about the importance of listening, iterating, and being a force for good in the world. They also answer the questions of how a business can be a force for good in the world and how you can get started. Okay, let's jump right into this episode with Kashi Sagal. Over to you, Nathan. Kashi, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastically well, even better now that you're here. We'll start with uh, one of my favorite questions, which is what do you wish everybody understood about your field of work? And you can obviously feel free to tell the, the people uh, more about it. And also the interesting part of your work is the multiple stakeholder groups you're serving. So what do you wish everybody understood about the work and the different stakeholders? Yeah, so Rataza is a company looking to make people's lives easier and be fairer to all these different stakeholders, Nathan, that you mentioned. So we connect food that's potentially being thrown out with people who are hungry. At the end of the day, that is our mission. And um, we think that you can create a solution that helps multiple people at one time. It doesn't just have to be a one for one. How can we really amplify the time that we're spending and the efforts that we're putting out. So um, helping a farmer buying food for a fair price that they can't sell otherwise, not only helps the farmer economically, but it also helps the rural economy around them. It helps the people that maybe work on the farm. Maybe they're able to pay a couple more hours, provide that stability. But then we're also able to get that food to people who really need it. And so we do it through nonprofits that we work with, who are working with stakeholders who are hungry. So we're able to really help multiple groups, and that's not even all of them. Uh, but you know, I wish people realized that there are solutions out there that can do even more if you just get creative. Oh, I love that. So, and I love the premise of the business. I always think of my, so growing up, my, my grandma was German and, and during the war, she made some pack, but she would literally meet a stranger. And then like, if they weren't finished, they weren't going to finish their plate, she'd scrape it all in. So food didn't get wasted, but we've kind of lost the sense of that kind of that there's so much abundance that most of us don't think about 
the fact that a there's still a lot of people who go without and b there's a lot of food that is completely edible that we just don't they don't have a buyer for or there's no logistical way to get it to market and it rots in a field yeah we're so conditioned as consumers and all of us this is true for all of us we're so conditioned to look for the prettiest tomato or the juiciest peach or something but uh, a lot of what we see at our grocery stores were created in a lab or made the specs were created so that they could survive a truck cross country. So the tomatoes that are in grocery stores are all round, red, basically the same size with a thick skin. Why? Because they don't bruise as easily and they can withstand a cross country or intra inter country uh, trip, right? So tomatoes are supposed to be misshapen and different colors and delicious. But that's not what you see at the grocery store. They actually charge more for that. And actually, that's a real tomato. So that's why I, that's why yeah, I buy my, my produce at the farmer's market. Um, it sounds it sounds obviously I've, I've known you for a while. I know your passion and your drive. Um, I was about to say, it sounds like you're really driven to solve this issue. But I know that as a fact. What's the why? Like, what's the why that feels this business, your approach to leadership, just, just you in general, what gets you out of bed in the morning and and gets you going? Yeah, I think a lot of what I have done over the course of my career has gotten closer and closer to driving positive change, even if it's for one person, because you never know A lot of people talk about it at scale, and that's great, but you never know how impacting just one person can really have scale. So um, to me, it's about creating that positive change through creative problem solving, through empathy, and really thinking about that other person, that other group, what their needs are. I'm very big into listening. I think that asking questions is the best tool that a leader has. Learning how to ask the right questions at the right time, learning how to move things forward if needed. I mean, questions are such a valuable tool. And uh, it's a big piece of how I like to do things. If I don't know what you need, then how can I really give you the best solution? So... You can't come with the solution. And with Rataza, uh, we didn't come with a solution. We literally talked to 60, 70 people around the state, all kinds of stakeholders, and a solution emerged. There was a need that emerged, I should say, and a set of needs. And then coming up with a solution, just trying to figure out, well, how can we do this and this at the same time? That's how the business got formed. That's awesome. Who who would you say had the biggest influence on you? As you talk about kind of that that one person ripple, is there anybody that that coming up, young Kashi, coming up in her career that that influenced you and kind of uh, I don't know showed you this this style of, of of servant almost almost passive leadership of listening first and speaking second. Yeah, I'd have to call it a pair, and this is kind of a cheesy answer, but really. This has been instilled since I was a little kid, and my parents have a lot to do with this. 
Um, both of my parents are very successful in their own ways, pushing the boundaries, coming up with new ideas, being an intrapreneur and an in, uh, uh, entrepreneur, um, lots of different roles and ideas, and everything was okay. We had brainstorming sessions and family meetings. And always, though, whatever ideas we had as an individual, um, we saw the example of our parents, my brother and I, leading with service and with a mind of what can you do for someone else before you do for yourself? How can you do something for them and be in service to them? And you know, you see it enough times and hopefully you're lucky enough to pick some of that up and it rubs off and it's informed a lot of how I approach the world. So it's basically the spirit of Ritaza. What can we really do to help? That's beautiful. And I don't think it's too cheesy to credit your parents with that. That's good parenting. My parents um, are awesome. I love them. Yeah. Hope mom and dad are listening mom and dad. right now. They will definitely be listening. <laughs> And, and going back to the Ritaza story, you touched a little bit on the on the founding story of of you know, interviewing 60, 70 stakeholders, which I'm guessing were farmers and nonprofits, food banks, um, people in rural Georgia, people in, in in metro, you know, in metro Atlanta and in other metropolitan, which for Georgia's for those who might not be from Georgia, it's Atlanta and then some smaller cities and then it's rural. Um, so talk about the founding story. So you, you, you identify a need, you start looking at solutions and talk about everything from kind of getting the, figuring out what the right solution was or the iterations to the right solution as you build towards it, um, building the team and kind of getting it off the ground. Yeah, it's been a journey, but every startup, every new company is, um, we started, um, so I was on the Georgia Innovates Task Force on the Public Innovation Subcommittee that the Lieutenant Governor had convened, and we were trying to come up with ways to serve other parts of the state. Uh, there was a big emphasis on solutions outside of Georgia that could, outside of Atlanta, that could also be innovative. And just as that task force convened, we had a huge pandemic hit. And um, all of a sudden, we were talking about restaurant workers and everyone being out of work, um, working from home, um, first responders and the stress on them. And sort of left out of that conversation was, where does our food come from? And who's helping the farmers right now? Like right now, not in a year when we can get policies and stuff together, but who is helping farmer right? Who are helping the farmers right now? And so um, you saw produce being thrown out and milk being thrown out by the tons of gallons. And so I started asking that question and took it to the subcommittee and then just went on, like I said, a listening tour, talked to all the stakeholders you mentioned, including distributors and grocers and food banks and nonprofits working with the hungry and farmers were a big part of it. Just trying to understand what the problem actually is and realize that this problem exists outside of the pandemic. You know, many of the problems that were highlighted during the pandemic existed before. They just got amplified and 
we paid attention to them. We had time to pay attention to them because we weren't doing a lot of the other things, right? We weren't going to events. So the idea for this business, you know, it didn't start out as, an, as a business. It started out just looking for people working with farmers to amplify what they're doing. And when the need emerged for a connector, we became that connector. You kind of know too much. And so you have to step up and do it. That's kind of where we were. So we serve, Rataza serves as a connector to resources for lots of different stakeholders. So for farmers, it's a resource, a sales and marketing resource. So we buy and sell their food. We have become an outlet for them, uh, for food that they can't sell. Uh, we buy food every day, though, from them. So we are not only amplifying local purchasing, we're bringing new customers to the table for that local food. We're buying food that they can't sell, so we're getting them resources. But then for the people in our state who are hungry, we're getting food, we're donating food either directly to them or in many ways and more often we're donating to organizations who do such amazing work with our hungry. Uh, we're helping them do more with less, really. Um, so we're amplifying their reach and the great work that they're doing. We're also doing education. So connecting to the citizens of Georgia, re-educating them, we like to say refreshing, how they think about food, how they're connected to their local food. Where does their food come from? How should you be using it? One of our big programs is employee engagement. It's an employee engagement program uh, where companies are buying fresh produce for their employees. We provide recipes. Many of these employees don't know how to cook an eggplant. And so we provide information on how to do that. So we've really become a connector of lots of different resources and information. Um, you know, we're also getting into consulting where we're helping businesses figure out how to use fresh food in their business if they're not set up for it. So you can't just come up with a solution in a vacuum. You start to see and hear from customers and other people what would help them use fresh food or think about fresh food differently or you know what would make their lives easier and then you have to step up and either do it yourself or find a great partner and we work in partnership with a lot of people too um, because they're amazing companies around the state that are doing great work in this space. I love it because it goes back to kind of your 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 talk, you know, talking talking about listening. Um, but the the whole part of of you know, I think everybody's everybody's always looking for that next great idea, and we're trying to come up with the idea versus identifying the need. And I think your your knack your your natural tendency to listen led you to the need, which led you to wow, how have we not figured this out already? Let's go. And then kind of looking around the room and I know, I know you're not an accidental entrepreneur, but kind of going like, well, I guess we'll start it. I mean, it kind of happened that way this time around, um, you know, and, and you talk about the solution when we started the business, 
I thought this was going to be a B2C company. We were going to do direct to consumer, mixed boxes, but it proved really hard to get started, really capital intensive. And we had to take a step back and figure out, okay, there's got to be another way to do this. Let's get creative and figure out how we can buy wasted food and help people who are hungry. Does it have to be through an e-commerce subscription mixed box that like half the world is doing at this point? And it doesn't, you know, we, it was easy for us to change our thought process and our product and our service because we weren't married to the solution. We're married or yeah, we weren't married to the solution. We're married to the outcome. Who are we helping? What are we doing? hundred percent. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Wow. That's brilliant advice for any starting. I mean, a seasoned entrepreneur, starting an entrepreneur, um, even somebody just thinking about someday doing that. Nim, nim, uh, I don't think nimbility is a word, that nimbleness. There we go. You the can nimbleness. Word. You heard it yeah. here first, hey, first everyone. <laughs> word of the day, nimbility. Um, but just that ability to adapt and iterate and kind of pivot when you realize, hey, that idea that we loved isn't the best idea. And there's another better idea. So let's kind of move on. Um, one other thing I want to talk about, and especially being in the, the social entrepreneurship space, whatever that even means anymore, um, but the solving solving issues, you know, I, I don't want to oversell it and say solving the world's problems, but feeding the hungry, feeding those in need and helping, you know, farmers, small farmers too, as we talk about farmers, sometimes I think we think these big, large scale, but really these are, this is most of Georgia's, a good bit of Georgia's economy. As you, as you try to figure out these solutions and better outcomes for farmers, better outcomes for, for customers, better mm-hmm. outcomes for even downstream customers, how do you avoid kind of that social burnout that, that we all talk about in this space of, of wanting to save everybody, change everything, make the world just the greatest place ever, um, and feeling like you put it all on your shoulders? How do you put yourself first sometimes and make sure that you're in a good space to serve others. Mm-hmm. A, yep, the mental wellness question. You knew it was coming. Great question, Nathan. Um, look, I learned the hard way years ago that if you don't take the time you need for yourself, you cannot be good at work. Uh, you're not as creative. I mean, this is stuff everybody knows, right? You're not as creative. You're not as nimble. Decisions are harder. You lack nimbility. Sorry. We lack nimbility. Um, Yeah. I mean, you have to take the time. It's hard. It's really hard, especially, you know, at the end of the year, it's the holidays. You kind of get a pass. You're allowed to take some time. Everybody expects you to take time. Take the time. Um, I planned on working the whole, all through the holidays and you know, eventually said, I need two days to just do me. And it's been great. Um, did the tasks stack up? Yes. But I always have a to-do list and you're always going to have a to-do list. So there are some times it can just, you can let some of those things slide. Um, not a fan of sliding deadlines, but you've got to take space away. 
And, and we reflect that with the team as well. So our team, we block out days, do not work on these days. This is time for you away. We give our team as much time off as they want with the weight and understanding that they'll get done what they need to get done. And then they can go take the time they want with their families um, or for personal reasons. Um, You have to respect yourself, respect your team, respect people, and treat everybody, including yourself, the way you would want to be treated, right? So be good to yourself and others. That's fantastic. And I appreciate the candor too. I think it's important to talk about this as entrepreneurs. I think we have to be leaders in this space too, that the grind is important. And, and, you know, anybody who started a business knows that it isn't a nine to five with an hour lunch break, that it's a grind, but I think we can reward ourselves for that grind and take some time off. And I slept till noon the day after Christmas. That was pretty awesome. Absolutely. I mean, I was just telling you um, earlier we had an opportunity pop up this week and it was so funny because I was on the phone, we were having a team meeting and I just told the team, you know what, let's get done what absolutely has to get done this week and then take the rest of the week off. Let's just, let's just lay low and like have an easy life this week. And as I said that, an amazing opportunity came through and that startup life, now we are all scrambling and working to make it happen for something going on next week. And it is what it is. Uh, sometimes that happens, but, but the intention is there and the team knows that if they need to take time, they can take it. Cause I know that they're going to get done what they have on their to-do list. So you have to trust yeah. each other. Yeah. And if you hire the right people, you shouldn't have to worry about that. hundred percent. So speaking of hiring the right people and, recruitment and retention and building a great culture and all the other things that uh, naturally just so naturally come to B Corps. Um, A birdie in my ear told me that you are working on your B Corp certification for Rataza. So I'm curious to learn more about that. And also kind of a, the why um, is, is, you know, as we're out there, I mean, this is Be the Change Georgia's podcast presented by Be Local Georgia. But as we're out there kind of making the case for it, um, you clearly understand it. I remember, I literally remember when you called me and said, I know I have to do this. Um, what is it about the B Corp certification that's driving you? And how do you think it, how do you think it already has as you've gone through the certification influenced both your own decision making and Rataza as a company? And what do you hope to get out of it post-certification whenever we we get through that dreaded queue? Okay, so the why do it, um, I think to me it's important to be an example and to actually walk the walk, not just talk about it. So I think it's our opportunity and as our responsibility as an organization who wants to be leading in the field of sustainability, in the field of hunger, in the field of wasted food, that we step up and show people how it can be done in a way that's responsible all the way around. And I think that's what B Corp certification is really about. How do you take all of your uh, stakeholders into account as you're making decisions for your company, for the stakeholders, for the planet? 
uh, we're already doing so much of that. So it felt like such a natural fit for us to just take it a step further and making sure as intentional as we're being, making sure that we are being intentional in every area of the company. And I think that B Corp certification, the assessment, which is comprehensive, um, <laughs> great, really, great adjective. Yes. Um, really helps us think through the areas where, oh yeah, we should probably do that. You know, we are already buying this way. We should probably have a procurement policy in place. We know what it is. Let's put it down on paper so people know that we're intentional. And actually what's coming out of this, some really cool, um, some really cool things around farmers, around some of our stakeholders that we're going to launch and uh, put out into the world next year. But um, it has helped us laser focus in on what we think is important and how we want to interact with our stakeholders. And because we are being intentional about how we're going to do that, we can fold that into sort of expanding that message to our stakeholders and make sure that they're interacting with us in the same way. They're interacting with the planet in the same way. And that's also a big part about B Corp, right? Is making sure you're leading change in other groups, maybe where you work, maybe with who you're working with. So we are trying to figure out how, as connectors, we can get some of our stakeholder groups to start thinking this way too. Um, in a really intentional way. So it's been really fun to think about some of the new programming we can put in place next year along these lines. Yeah, it's an amazing, you know, some people would say too, you know, that it's, why are you worried about that so early? Um, you know, and to me, it's it's that foundational beauty that I think you're noticing of the, the we want to be a good company and all of a sudden this kind of scorecard's put in front of you that allows you to I'll use the word again and be intentional about how you go about like, what, what are our metrics? What are we track? How are we tracking our, we want to be a good company. And now as you scale, all those pieces are in place. Yep. Absolutely. You know, we're a logistics company. We're a food company. We're a sustainability company. We're all these things, but at the root of it, I really believe we're a data company and this going through this assessment really just, proves that point to me again and again that you have to track. If you don't track metrics and measure yourselves against goals, then how do you know what you're actually achieving, what impact you're actually having? It's great to just do things, but it's better to do things that you can measure so that you can lead by example. I love that. That's such practical advice for anybody listening of how do you get better? Also, how do you know what to spend money on? Like, how do you know where to put your resources, where to hire, what part of the company? Unless you have the data, unless you have the goals and metrics that you're driving towards, what do you do? I don't have the money to just guess, right? I need to be like laser focused on, on the end result. So some of that back in the days, Uber money. Um, right, right. <laughs> this market might work. Sure. Um, yeah, putting putting data behind it. I love I love that. And uh, and I think too for the intentionality of, of the B Corp certification, it's what what a beautiful way to kind of apply that 
business is a force for good through data and figuring out how many stakeholders have we impacted? How many mouths have we fed? How many, how, well, you start to quantify that and then you start to set goals for the next year. That's the fun part. You know, all the different things you track, whereas there's a difference between having a volunteer time off policy and knowing exactly down to, you know, employee 1011, how many of them took volunteer time off and how many, how many hours on average they did and what organizations. And um, that's where it starts to become fun. Absolutely. I mean, around that, point our very first ball our very first activity as a company when we hired the team and really did our first thing together was a volunteer activity however you know just assuming that the team knows that going and volunteering is okay is not enough being intentional and putting it in the handbook and saying no please go do this like we want you to spend time doing this every month is a better way to do it. It really bakes that into the culture then. I mean, at some point you can stop managing toward the policy and it just becomes part of the ethos, but you have to be intentional and repeat and repeat and push and push until it becomes part of that. Yeah. And it helps when they see their boss doing it. (laughs) Hopefully. You've been known to serve the community. So Um, before we let you go, uh, I always love to ask if there's one question that you wish we had asked that we didn't. Um, it's always the stumper. Don't worry. Maybe how can business be a tool for good? What is something simple instead of going full B Corp certification? Uh, how can you get started? I think take the time to talk to people in your community, people, not just businesses, go out, talk to people in the community, find out what they think could really help that community? What are the issues? You might think you know what the issues are, but what do the people on the street think the issues really are in your community? What do businesses think the issues are? And the strengths, frankly. And then figure out how you can be a meaningful part of the solution. It's that simple. Yeah. On both a personal and professional level. Both. Super simple. Um, Wow. Mic drop. All right. We're done. No. uh, (laughs) If people, if people want, if our listeners wanted to follow, um, you Kashi or, and Rataza and or Rataza, um, what are the, uh, what are our favorite social medias? Where do they find y'all? We are going to make this so easy. So you can follow Rataza at Rataza. Please let me spell that. R-E-T-A-A-Z-A at Rataza, basically everywhere. Um, so please Come find us. We'd love to chat with you on all of our channels. And then you can find me personally at kashisevel.com. Well, awesome, Kashi. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, learning about Rataza and learning about the importance of listening, of iterating, and of being a force for good in the world. We will see you all next time. Thanks, Kashi. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another edition of Be The Change Georgia. We're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate this show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. 
This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening, and now go be a leader worth following.